0: I've got, a, I've got an explanation for what's happened here BT. I'm going to give you a line
1: and the story emerges that one of the outside gates leading into that terrace was broken people without tickets got in were therefore
0: overcrowding the people with tickets and that's why the crush nearly
2: 34 years on from the Hillsborough disaster which saw 97 Liverpool fans lose their lives during an FA Cup semi-final match against Nottingham Forest. Police leaders have finally issued an apology to the families of the victims. The statement by the National Police Chiefs Council and College of Policing acknowledged that their failures were the main cause of the tragedy and committed to widespread changes in the future. This comes in response to the 2017 report by the Right Reverend James Jones, a former Bishop of Liverpool, on lessons of the tragedy. Peter Scarf from the Hillsborough Survivors Support Alliance believes this has all come too late.
1: I think it's taken an awful long time for them to get these answers. I think five years is way too long, 34 years for an apology. Families have been torn apart, not just Hillsborough families who've, obviously, who've lost their loved ones, but obviously Hillsborough survivors who've lost friends as well through uh, suicide and the likes.
2: For years, South Yorkshire Police attempted to shift the blame for the fatalities onto the fans, while bereaved families have spent decades fighting for the truth to come out and justice to be served. One of the victims on the day was Andrew Brooks, and his sister thinks major changes need to be made with the police force.
3: I feel that until actions change at top level, you know, I-ranking officers, chief constables, I don't think anything will ever change within the police service.
1: full name's Mark Stringer, and I'm part of the Hillsborough Supporters and Survivors Alliance. I got in the ground early, one o'clock. I was um, sitting on the terrace reading my programme. Fast forward to 10 to three, it was full. There was a big surge, a a, a massive surge of um, people came through the tunnel behind me. Uh, I was pinned to a barrier Mark was there that day
2: and reflected on his experience at Hillsborough and how it's affected him in the years since.
1: But two years after, I drank myself into a stupor. I drank every day, uh, lunchtime and evening. Uh, and not, not. I wouldn't say I was alcoholic. I think it was more to forget what I'd seen because obviously I saw all, you know, saw everything.
2: Mark along with many other survivors, believe the police tried to hide the truth for many years.
1: It was covered up, and I think it wasn't just the South Yorkshire police. I think it was up to the highest levels of government. This is my opinion, by the way. I think if we could look into a crystal ball and see what conversations were had in um, Parliament Downing Street, we'd probably discover that there was an, an instruction to cover it up, an instruction to change Uh, to, to, to falsify the evidence.
2: Who knows whether this is the end of the tragic tale of Hillsborough. What we do know is that this week's statement will be of little consolation to the bereaved families.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Ball in a Day's Work podcast. Following on from that Hildreth package, today we are talking on the topic of safe standing. Joining me today uh, is sports journalist Liam Jones and Southampton fan Evan Clem. Uh First of all, Evan, um, on the topic of safe standing, can I just quickly get your opinion um, as a Saints fan on safe standing?
2: Uh, I love safe standing. I've, I've been to a, a few stadiums that have had it. Chelsea away is one of my favorite away ends I've ever been to purely because they have say standing just enhances the uh the atmosphere and the experience of
0: being able to stand up and not feel slightly scared at a football game. Do but do, do do you think that's a that's a good thing and do you think it definitely because that's one of the arguments do, does it improve the atmosphere is it because it um kind of just standing and being in that environment it just kind of makes you want to do it a little bit more maybe?
2: Yeah, I mean you see it at every stadium, whether they're safe standing or not there's always a section of fans that are going to be stood up, everyone wants to be on their feet, have a little chant see the game better as well so uh, yeah it's definitely a a positive for football
0: I guess it's just allowing the the, the atmosphere to be conducted in a safer way I imagine as well
2: Yeah, yeah, 100% we've all been a at some point celebrated a goal and someone's gone over the top of someone else, whereas with the bars there in front of you, it can't get too out of hand and no one can be uh, hurt. From a safety point of view,
0: it, it's, a, it's a lot safer than the actual seating that's in the rest of the ground, so I'm hoping that people within within the group and people within the club itself will take that on board, because um, Liverpool supporters really, really want this. and. That was David Hughes, who lost his dad at the Hillsborough Disaster, going up to Celtic Park with other bereaved family members to have a look at the safe standing for themselves. The, new, the newest stadium to introduce um, a trial for safe standing is Wembley Stadium. Um, they've announced this week that ahead of the Carabao Cup final between Man United and Newcastle, they'll be tri- trialling um, safe standing. Uh, Liam, can you just give us a little bit more on that, please?
3: Yeah, so it's something they've had in the works at Wembley since it was announced back in 2021. Um, that they were going to bring safe standing to the Premier League. And obviously Wembley have had this in the works. So they've trialled it. They trialled it back in September for the Nations League, Nations League game, England versus Germany. No issues. A lot of positive feedback from the fans. So for this Carabao Cup final, they've given both Man United and Newcastle fans 867 allocated safe standing spots, which you know doesn't seem a lot in the grand scheme of things for Wembley. But I think the more positive... Games this goes on, especially in the Premier League and the League Cup, and the FA Cup will eventually come into it, maybe even Champions League too, the more like you see those numbers increase in terms of ticket prices. It's the first final that's been hosted at Wembley with safe standing in 35 years. Obviously, you mentioned Hillsborough after those big events. Like Hillsborough, there's been stuff happening up in, in with Ibrox as well back in the 40s. You mentioned Tottenham, Chelsea, Man United, and Man City have all introduced their own safe standing um, sections in the last few years. And since those clubs have introduced it, clubs in the top four tiers have been allowed to introduce safe standing areas from the start of the 2022 to 23 season. Liverpool, another club who've got their safe standing section, they've just applied for licences. So not long until we see all six of the big six get into it. And once those six follow, or once those six start, others will probably follow.
0: Oh yeah, I was gonna say, do you think it's a it's a like a stepping stone and kind of a domino effect that will, especially you know Wembley being the national stadium do you think it it'll be a domino effect for the rest of the premier league and the championship to follow?
3: I think what the big 6 do others always seem to follow like we always look at the big 6 in the premier league as the faces and they are the marketing and they are the brand and i think if they get involved there is no reason why other clubs like i think it's mentioned that wolves have got their own standing section is that right? um and like, I don't understand why other clubs wouldn't get involved if they can get away with it. If these big corporations can sign off on something that potentially, in their eyes, might be dangerous and might be bad for their bottom line, I don't see why sort of the smaller clubs won't get involved. It's just good for the fans, and that's what everyone wants at the end of the day to keep the fans happy.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's all about keep keeping keeping everyone safe. But I think one one of the cons that uh, people have, people have mentioned about safe standing is what about those who don't want to stand? But Evan, you've mentioned. Um, one particular game you went to was, was the Wolves game and you noticed there was safe standing at both ends of the grounds but for for one of them, the, the Wolves fans were, were um, still in their seats so it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be stood up bouncing around for 90 minutes.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are still seats there to sit on and the, the whole section, one of the sections at Wolves that has safe standing, all the fans were still sat down perfectly able to watch the game so you don't have to be on your feet the whole game if you don't want to be with safe standing.
0: Do you know if, if it's something that, that Saints have applied for? Is there much of a um, an, an appeal or, or, or a push to get it in?
2: I think the fans would love safe standing. There's a whole section where I stand at the games all stood up every single game you go to but um, I think a few years ago Southampton actually rejected the uh, chance to trial safe standing so
0: I'm not quite sure why they uh, went down that route but here we are. Yeah, why, Liam? Can you can you think of any any reasons? Maybe from a I don't know, well maybe it's like a business um, point of view, where certain um, groups or or maybe kind of you know the board boardroom of, of a club might not want to to use safe standing. I know F- FSG have had a um, they've kind of come out with a position in the last couple of years for Liverpool that they're not really looking into at the moment. Obviously, that's changed recently. But w- why do you think? Um, people will be opposed to it
3: well I understand it I mean for us football fans it's quite hard to look at it from their aspect as a business and be like this is not what we want why aren't you doing what we want but I mean I understand especially as FSG or the Glazers or the Cronkies at Arsenal they're Americans I'm not just picking on Americans just like people who don't understand the British culture maybe or the footballing culture being down in the fans down in the stands jumping around is part of of part of what we do and you know when you're coming over from another country to take over a football club and you see all these horror stories like hillsborough for example I mean it you know 90 96 people passed away at hillsborough um huge event it widely publicized worldwide news and the big thing that came out of it was it was standing fans it was standing fans like that was the headline um I can understand why from their aspect, they wouldn't want to sign off on it because they've got this model. They're filling out Anfield, Old Trafford, Emirates, whatever, filled out every week, um, bringing in loads of money, merchandise. If it's not broke, don't fix it. That's what these businessmen like to think. They're bringing in all this money. Why risk something, putting in something that could, in their minds, injure a lot of people, bring in a lot of lawsuits, bring a lot of negative attention to the club when it's their baby, it's their cash cow. Why would you want to damage something that is your whole life? I understand it, but like I said, from a fan's perspective, I don't get it. I don't agree, but I understand why they want to do that.
0: Yeah, and um, just quickly going back to to the Carabao Cup, Evan, you were at, at the, um, the, uh, the 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 uh, the semi-final. We we at the first leg as well, or just the second leg? Yeah, both legs. You both legs. Leg. As someone who's just missed out on a on a potential Wembley appearance, um, how, how um, I'm I'm sure you enjoyed the game a lot.
2: Yeah, I don't think we. I mean, 3-1 against third in the Premier League over two games. There's a lot of positives to take from that. I think if we'd have signed a striker earlier in the window, we might have had a better chance, but can't be too upset. Semi-final for a, a club that is bottom of the Premier League, was it was something to enjoy in the uh, the uh, miserable season I've had so far.
0: And Liam, how, how do you see the, the final playing out, United versus Newcastle? Obviously, United have uh, made another... I think it was a deadline deadline day signing of uh, Marcel Sibica. Um Do you think he's going to make an impact? And how, how do you see like, the final going?
3: Well, I think you both said before we came on that you think United are going to go and win. I think you said 3-0, Evan. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know about 3-0. I do think United will probably win. I think what you said before about you said that no, the United side's got winners. You know, you've got the Casemiros. I'm going blank but I know there is others in there you know yeah, <laughs> people Iran have won World <laughs> Cup winners of course that's the one <laughs> um, but they they have got bigger name players in there and even Ten Hag. I mean he's played Champions League football yeah right he's not won anything in the Champions League but he's won in Holland um, high profile managers there's nothing wrong with this Newcastle side obviously defensively they are incredible Nick Pope Dan Byrne Fabian Sheer Sven Botman, Trippier that back line is, doesn't concede anything so I don't know about three I think you know, I'd just beat him down. I think a one 0 over extra time, maybe even a penalty loss. But I, just, I don't see Newcastle win a final against them big names doing it. Great. Well,
0: thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Ed and Liam for taking part. Join us next week. We'll have a, a new.